Ning, we'll just give a couple seconds for people to find their spots. Mel just said we're back to our normal, starting slightly after 10, which is good. <laughs> it's a good sign. Welcome here. I imagine many of us may be coming with slightly heavier hearts today. The past few weeks have been tough, and this week in particular, we saw the divisions in our society right here on our own front steps. And yet at the same time, yesterday evening, a friend, Alex, pointed out to me that there was still some light in the sky at 6.30, and I might not have noticed that on my own. So that was encouraging. Light is returning to our days. However you're feeling today, welcome. However you're joining us today, whether here with us in the building or via live stream, welcome. It's good to be gathered together. The Spirit of God invites us all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places, which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, Oji Cree, Dene, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe. We're fortunate to have Michael Paul here uh, with us this morning. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Michael is Executive Minister of Mennonite Church Manitoba. Prior to stepping into this role in 2021, he was the lead pastor of Morden Mennonite Church. He and his wife, Larissa, now live in Winnipeg. They have four children and two dogs. He'll be sharing this sermon with us today. Welcome here, Michael. Uh, Brenda Penner, I believe, has an announcement, and that'll be followed by Mel. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Just to let you know that with the changing uh, guidelines, COVID guidelines, our own committee here, uh, the COVID committee, has decided that we're going to be making some changes. So next Sunday, we'll be going back to option A, which we should be familiar with from before Christmas. And the Sunday after that, on February 27th, we will again do option B, and we're taking it kind of week by week, day by day after that. So we will keep everybody informed, and the details of what option A and option B are are in your bulletin, so please read the details. Thank you. We just took a lot of time to make you guys stand there, Scott and Gary, yeah. <laughs> You're doing well, yeah. Um, I Just a couple of things, I had a message, it was a quick sort of, not, it's uh, short notice, but uh, Gay Bowes from the United Church, she uh, had left a message for Kyle and I that um, tonight they are at their, at the church there on Main Street, they are at seven o'clock having a candlelight vigil. Um, the way she simply put it is no words, just uh, being together with candles, a sign of peace and hope in our community and world. So if you would like to join them um, at seven o'clock, anyone who would like to, um, we'll see you there tonight. And then the other thing was, um, and this was totally Kyle, not me, um, although even it wasn't in totally Kyle. Um, we had a, uh, a meeting last, a council meeting a couple of weeks ago, and, and we talked about, um, about our MCM budget. We have Michael Paul here from MCM, as we've already heard, and we are going to have a formation session after worship in which he's going to talk about MC Manitoba and tell us um, how we are connected and who we are as MC Manitoba. But in our council meeting, um, a question came up because a significant amount of our money budget goes to um, MC Manitoba. So someone asked in a very business like manner, what do we get for $80,000 from NC Manitoba? And so um, Kyle said we need to say that so that people come to the formation to find out what we get for $80,000. And Michael said no pressure, that's easy. So please uh, come after the worship service about quarter after 11. You can go out, uh, meet Michael, he'll be out there. We can come back in here and we'll join together for a good formation. Michael will give us a presentation on MC Manitoba and then there'll be a Q&A and we'll be able to answer that question among others. So see you then.
All right, good morning, everyone. We're going to start by singing number 84 in Voices Together, To God Be the Glory. I invite you to stand with us for this hymn. Exult in you, I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Holy God, you call us together to reflect your word and our life in your world. Be with us now as we sing and pray together, that we may hear your voice and understand your way. This we pray through the Jesus the Christ. Amen. Oh, 
but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with equity. Merciful God, when lashed by the windstorms of life, we often lash out in return. Forgive us when we blame you or others for our troubles. Teach us to find you in the eye of the storm. Show us the calm center that comes from a word of peace. thanksgiving and for the offering. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God of life, we give these offerings in gratitude, rejoicing in the abundance of your gifts to us. We give these offerings in faith, trusting that you will provide for our needs. We give these offerings in hope, knowing you can use them to spread your love to this world. And with these offerings, we give ourselves. May we live with generous hearts and open hands. Amen.
Hey kids, come for the children's story. You're around. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here this morning. I wonder how Finn's week was. Let's call Finn out and find out. One, two, three. Finn the dragon! <laughs> You're in for a good morning, everybody. <gasps> knock, knock. Who's there? Bread. Bread who? Bread, you wish I had a better joke. <laughs> Oh, Finn, that was a groaner. Aww. But it does remind me of the gospel lesson this morning. Rye, does a bread joke remind you of the gospel, Penny? Well, in the story today, Jesus called himself the bread of life. Like he was warm and fresh? No, Finn. Hmm. Like he was covered in butter? No, Finn. Hmm. Like he, Jesus went to the baker named Nanette and asked for a baguette and said, never forget that I am like this baguette? No, Finn. Oh, I give up. Rye is Jesus like the bread of life. Well, Jesus was the guy who came to share good news with the whole wheat world. Huh. Really? Good news that even if people are sourdough on you, you are blessed and a beloved child of God. Wow. Good news was seeing your life blessed when you loved one another and PETA others first. <laughs> That's amazing. And even when life is hard and stale, if we keep focusing on Jesus, we can injera any trials. Amazing, on so many levels. So when Jesus says he's the bread of life, we're not actually supposed to eat him. It means that if we do what Jesus asks us to do, it's like food that helps grow our faith, like pumpernickeling up flat tires of a car. Exactly, Finn. Oh, thanks, Penny, for clarifying that. But I do have one more question. Yes, Finn. What did the butter say to the bread? What? I'm on a roll! <laughs> oh, Finn, that was so corny bread. Okay, you kids can go back to the foyer for Children's Church. Your teachers will meet you there. Bye, kids! Good luck following that. Very punny. Then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But, but I have said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. Whatever the Father gives to me comes to me, and whoever comes to me I will never turn away. For I did not come down from heaven to do my own will but the will of God who sent me. And this is the will of God, that I not lose anything that's been given to me, but raise it up on the last day. 
Indeed, this is the will of my Father, that the one who sees the Son and believes will have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. But at that, the Jews began to complain because he was saying, I am the bread come down from heaven. Is this not Jesus, Joseph's son? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? Jesus said to them, stop complaining among yourselves. No one comes to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise them up on the last day. It's written in the prophets that all will be taught by God. So everyone who has heard and listened to the Father comes to me. Although no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father. And if you believe, you have eternal life. I am bread of life. Your ancestors ate the bread in the wilderness, and they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and never die. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Well, at that, the Jews began to dispute against, again, each, among each other again, saying, how can this man give us his, his flesh to eat? Jesus said, I tell you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life because I'm, I will raise them up on the last day, because my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I will abide in you, and you in me. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors, they ate the bread in the wilderness and they died. But whoever eats this bread will live forever. These were the words that Jesus said as he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Got to love it when, as a preacher, you've got this scripture telling and this children's story, and it leaves you nothing left to say. Like, everything has already been said that I could possibly say about that passage, but I'll, gi I'll give it a try here. Uh, but first, I bring you greetings on behalf of your sibling churches within Mennonite Church Manitoba and on behalf of the staff that serve us together as Mennonite Church Manitoba. We are a community of 38 congregations from Cross Lake in the north to Gretna in the south, from Oak Lake in the west to Pinawa in the east, supporting one another in our worship, our learning, our fellowship, our leadership, our service, our outreach. We need each other because, simply put, there are things that we can do together that no single church can do on their own. Together we can help churches find pastors, we can help pastors become better pastors, we can help churches become healthier churches. Together we can do ministry regionally, across Canada, and around the world. And we do all these things and more together as Mennonite Church Manitoba. And as Mel said, you can hear more about what we do together uh, after the service. I recently completed my first year as executive minister for Mennonite Church Manitoba, and in that year I've had the privilege of worshiping with about half of our congregations within MCM, and I've had the chance to, to meet with all of our pastors in one way or another, whether that's uh, in person or, or virtually. And out of those interactions, I am convinced that despite the challenges that we have faced over the past two years, God is at work among us. 
The Spirit of God is at work among us, moving in our midst, pushing us to be church in new and fresh ways, to be salt and light in the world, to be outposts of God's reign on earth, to be the body of Christ in the world in new and fresh ways. To all of you and to each one of you, I say grace and peace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a fan of all four of our Gospels. I like each of them for different reasons. Yet, I always seem to start with Matthew, Mark, or Luke when I'm reading the Bible to follow Jesus. Sometimes I'll start with Mark because I like its simple, urgent account of Jesus' life. A little bit of teaching mixed in with the basic story from Jesus' baptism through to his resurrection with a strong focus on following Jesus in his way of the cross. Sometimes I'll start with Matthew because I like the way it brings together Jesus' life and teachings with special attention to how Jesus fits in the stream of God's revelation from the law through the prophets and unto the time of Jesus. Often I'll start with Luke because of the way that it connects Jesus' life and teaching to the inclusion of the marginalized and the oppressed, the poor, the dispossessed, the outsiders, the enemies. But even though I always seem to start with one of these other Gospels called the Synoptic Gospels, I always seem to end up with the Gospel of John. I think that's because John's Gospel distills Jesus' life and teachings down to a few simple concepts, life and death, light and darkness, believing and loving. For example, conversations about the kingdom of God in one of the other gospels become invitations to life in John's gospel. Now, everyone wants flourishing life. We all want abundant full life, lots and lots of life. Not everyone's sure they want another kingdom or empire. John's use of concrete images and simple concepts rings true for me at a very basic level. Now, don't get me wrong. John's gospel uses these concrete images and simple concepts life and death, light and darkness, believing and loving, but it doesn't mean that these are simplistic. You don't have to spend much time in John's gospel to realize that these realities are complex and nuanced and they're, they're deep and rich. This also doesn't mean that John's gospel doesn't get into any hard-to-understand teachings of Jesus, and our passage today is a perfect example of one of those. Our passage starts off with one of Jesus' famous I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Doesn't that sound good? This invitation to life? There are seven of these I am statements in John's gospel, and this is the first one. That I am is an allusion back to the name that God gave to Moses in Exodus 3. I am that I am. That's the name that God gave to Moses. God is I am. The one who is. The one in whom we also have our very being. And seven, in good biblical symbolism, is the number of perfection or completion. So by giving Jesus these seven I am statements then, John is portraying Jesus as the perfect reflection of God, which of course John has already very directly said back at the beginning of John's gospel where he said, the word became flesh and lived among us. God, the only son, has made God known. And so in part you see that through these seven I am statements in John's gospel. And then, of course, there's the allusion to the story about the manna in the wilderness, the manna from heaven that the Israelites receive in the wilderness. You probably remember the story. It's found in Exodus 16, if you need to look it up this afternoon. 
The Israelites complain to Moses about the lack of food that they've got in the wilderness and they start to say, you know, things were looking pretty good if you go back to Egypt. We had lots of food, we had things to eat. I don't think their memory was actually working very well at that time. So the Israelites complain and what does God say? God says, the I am says, I will rain down bread from heaven. It's their daily bread. Just enough for each day, enough for two days, the day before the Sabbath. So here is the beautiful, powerful takeaway from Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And you saw this reflected in the children's story. Jesus is God to us, the source of our life, the source of our very being. And so Jesus is like bread to our souls the spiritual sustenance that we need in our wilderness day by day by day unto eternity. In Jesus, we find our daily bread, just what we need, just when we need it, to sustain us for our journey to the promised land. Well, this is where most sermons on the passage stop. This is where most Christians close their Bible in their quiet times and go about their day, encouraged perhaps in some kind of vague way that Jesus is their bread of life. But if you keep reading, Jesus' teaching gets more complicated. It gets more difficult. It gets more uncomfortable. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus goes on to say. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This kind of language gets Jesus into trouble. He's Joseph the carpenter's son, people say. How dare he claim that he has come down from heaven? And what can he possibly mean by giving us his flesh? So Jesus lays it all out on the table. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yikes! What's going on here? Well, before I try to answer this question, clear up all of the problems with this, two very quick rabbit trails. First rabbit trail. The earliest Christians were not very well liked by the general Roman population. Respected by some, sure, but not often liked. You know how it is when you're a minority group with odd beliefs. Well, maybe we don't so much here in southern Manitoba where there's still a good whiff of Christendom in the air. Even generally in Canada, Christians are hardly a persecuted minority. But early Christians sometimes were. And even when they weren't persecuted, they were very often misunderstood and sometimes even despised. So for example, early Christians were called atheists. Did you know that? Christians were the first atheists. Not because they didn't believe in God, but because they didn't worship at Roman temples to Caesar or to the genius of Rome. This atheism, not participating in the civil religion of their day, is what most often got them into trouble. Christians were also thought to engage in incest because they spoke of each other as brothers and sisters and they talked about having love feasts. Shared meals, of course, celebrating the Lord's Supper, but that's not how that was understood. And Christians were thought to be cannibals because they talked exactly like Jesus does here in John 6, eating Jesus' flesh and drinking Jesus' blood. Again, communion. Here's the second rabbit trail. As you might imagine, Roman Catholics have looked to this passage as part of the basis for their belief in transubstantiation. That's the idea that in the Eucharist, communion, the bread and wine become the real body and blood of Jesus. After all, Jesus pretty directly refers to eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and it really does seem like he means it. However, that's not what I think is going on here. I love my Roman Catholic siblings in Christ, and there are, but there are a few reasons why I'm not Roman Catholic. This is one of them. Rather than making the case for transubstantiation or even calling for some kind of gruesome, weird, 
ritual cannibalism. I think Jesus is using graphic language here to speak about commitment. Right after Jesus' opening statement where he says, I am the bread of life, he says this, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Here's the idea. It's not enough to simply see Jesus. We also need to believe in him. And for John, believing in Jesus doesn't mean merely believing certain things about Jesus. No, John's gospel doesn't place much stock in superficial belief. In fact, in John, believing in Jesus is more often literally believing into Jesus. It's actually a unique phrase that John uses, believing into Jesus, a constant movement toward Jesus and into the life that he offers, including the way of life that he teaches and lives out for himself. In other words, it's not enough for us to simply see Jesus before us, out on the table as the bread of life, to maybe touch Jesus occasionally in our worship, to get a quick taste of Jesus in our words, perhaps. We need to consume Jesus, to walk into his life, to walk in his way of life. We need Jesus' life inside of us so we can live out Jesus' life in our lives. It's an idea that you find in other metaphors in in John's gospel. Later in John 15, you have another I am statement of Jesus, another well-known one. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. It's the same idea. We abide in Christ We rest in his love and in his life, and out of that we bear much fruit. We walk in his way of love toward abundant life for all. Jesus, then, is the divine daily bread that we all need to find true life for ourselves and for others. We need to consume Jesus We need to look to Jesus for spiritual sustenance day by day, to trust in him, to rest in him, to meditate on his life and teachings so that we can live out the way of Jesus day by day, bringing Jesus' life to the world. Well, there are many ways that this can be worked out, of course, for each of us individually and for each of our churches within Mennonite Church Manitoba. This living out the way of Jesus might look differently. Some of our congregations are bringing life to their communities by hosting a food bank. Others by hosting an AA meeting. Still others by hosting a prayer vigil for residential school survivors or a DVBS or pop-up camp in the summer. Some by planting trees as a practical response to climate change and the loss of biodiversity. Thank you for that. When I think of that last example, our response to climate change, the language of consuming takes on a different tone. Contrary to consuming Jesus, receiving the life of Jesus in order to live out the way of Jesus, bringing life to the world, we've too often been complicit in a consumer culture that consumes all kinds of other things disposable goods and fossil fuels without a second thought, bringing death to the world. As I've reflected a lot recently on the climate crisis and our response as a church, I believe that Jesus is calling us in that particular way and others, but in that particular way, to a deeper kind of commitment, to consume Jesus by taking his life into us and living out that way of life to bring life to the world to live a simpler life in the way of Jesus, in challenge to the consumer culture that burns through fossil fuels to maintain it, to call on the powers that be to make the necessary changes that none of us can make individually on our own. I encourage you to check out the newly published resource for Mennonite Church Canada called Taking Action on Climate Change for more ideas about how you might wrestle with that as a as a congregation. 
But this too, I think, is what it means to eat Jesus' flesh and drink Jesus' blood. To commit to Jesus' life and way of life beyond simply seeing Jesus, beyond merely touching Jesus or just tasting Jesus. Jesus wants more for us, and Jesus wants more of us. So may we daily receive the life of Jesus, trusting in Jesus, resting in Jesus' love, meditating on Jesus' life and Jesus' teachings, so that we can just as daily live out the life of Jesus, walking in Jesus' way of love, his way of life for the world. And as we do so, may we be assured that Jesus is with us. We are in him and he is in us. And this way of Jesus is the way to true and abundant life for all. Amen. In response to the message, we will be singing number 302 from Voices Together, Unless a Grain of Wheat. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, falls to the earth and dies, it for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor perish forever. God, you know our needs and you hear our prayers, those spoken both consciously and unconsciously. For our world today, we pray for those navigating our deep political divisions. For our community today, we pray for your wisdom as we walk the road in the days ahead, navigating the differences in opinions and challenges in our relationships. Let love guide our words and our actions. For our church, we pray for those in the hospital, 
for Christina and for Doris and others not named here. We pray also for Shirley as she prepares to move to Maplewood Manor. Bring them your comfort. God, we bring to you the names of one or two people we know personally who are especially struggling at this time in some way. We pray that in the darkness of their circumstance, they may feel the light of your presence and your love. God, in times like these, where we don't know the way forward or what the future holds, remind us that your work is renewal and that you walk with us one step at a time. Amen. I invite you to stand with us as we sing the doxology. We're going to sing all three verses that are in voices together. That's number 71. Praise God, the source of life and birth. Praise God, the Word who came to earth. Praise God, the Spirit, holy flame. All glory, honor to God's name. Praise God. Everyone, that who, if you want to join back in the sanctuary by 11:15, we want to be back in here to hear more with Michael. Go now as light bearers to a world in darkness. Go now as hope carriers to a world in despair. We go in the name of Christ, in the love of God, and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 